Hello, this is Ruin Willow with the, oh, fuck yeah, with Ruin Willow podcast, where I talk about sex and sexuality and erotica fiction. So if you're under 18, it is time to leave the podcast now, baby love, because this is for adults only. My guest today is amazing. <laughs> we had such a great chat. I absolutely love her. She is Dr. Stephanie, and she has her own podcast, Evolve Your Intimacy. She has a clinical mental health counseling and guidance for those looking to evolve their intimacy. Educate, enlighten, and evolve your intimacy is her little slogan, and she's so amazing. You got to check out her podcast, Evolve Your Intimacy, and it's super amazing. We just had such a great chat about Dr. Stephanie. Stephanie Sigler has a passion for helping others discover their relationship's true potential. Having been in the lifestyle for the past five years and studying alternative relationships professionally, she provides a well-rounded, supportive environment for clients wanting to enhance their intimacy with their partner or partners. Dr. Stephanie has traveled worldwide helping couples find pleasure in their romantic relationships through workshops, play shops, articles, and individual therapy. As an alternative relationship specialist, she helps couples, throuples, and more design their relationships that work best for them and is not dictated by unrealistic societal views. She has a PhD in clinical sexology. Cool. She has all these degrees, a master's in clinical mental health, bachelor's in educational theater. She has so many things. She's also a sex certified sex therapist. And she has other things. She's amazing. She's totally amazing. If you have not checked her out, you need to. So stay tuned for this. And you can check down in the podcast show notes where you can find how to connect with her. And you can always look up her podcast on the podcast apps. She also is starting to do internet TV. She also writes for multiple magazines and online blogs. And she is online. So you can find her at social media. Quick mention for my sponsors for this episode, Manscaped. You can get 20% off with my code RUINWILLOW20, promo code RUINWILLOW20 to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and Kiru Sex Toys, RUINWILLOW10. You can get 10% off of sex toys for men and for women. Totally amazing. And don't forget to check out my new book. I have a book that just came out. Sharing his adventurous wife, first time wife share, itty bitty vixen. It was written by Lacey Cross and it was narrated by myself and in my hands audio. And then I also have Mallory and Derek on their first sex party. That's the other one that just came out. And right now I'm about to release a audiobook of about five stories. It will be just an audiobook. Guilty Pleasures, Daddy Dominant Stories, His Perfect Sub, written and narrated by myself. So check those all out. And of course, My Neighborhood Sex Secrets is now in paperback. So you can get that. And in, if you like to hold the book, you're touchy-feely and you want to feel that puppy in your fingers, you want to feel the weight of that. It's kind of sensual, isn't it, to hold a book and read it? It is a different experience. But it's also available in ebook if you like to just have a book wherever you go on your phone or on your device. So check those out. Okay, let's get into this. Are you ready? We had such a great fun chat. Stay tuned. Let's go. If you like small town mystery, crazy news, and wild history, then the Florida Men on Florida Man podcast is for you. Each week, Josh Mills and Wayne McCarty bring you the absolute best Florida has to offer. 
So if you're looking for a show that's safe for the family, but funny enough to help you escape everyday life, then listen to the Florida Men on Florida Man podcast. That's Florida Men, plural, on Florida Man podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm super excited to talk to this person. She is like so knowledgeable about sex. It's so awesome. I'm just so excited to talk with her. And she has an amazing background. I want to introduce you to Dr. Stephanie. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you. Now, give us the skinny on some of your background. Okay. Well, I am a PhD clinical sexologist, and I am a licensed professional counselor. I'm licensed in Texas, Arizona, and Florida. I see clients every day in my office. I see 40 clients a week, but I also travel all over the world, and I go to all these fun events, and I get to teach classes about pleasuring the pearl, pleasuring the penis, special bonding with your partners, self-esteem, you name it. I used to be a middle school teacher, so my my uh-huh. claim to fame is if I can keep the middle school kids interested, I can keep anybody interested. So <laughs> my classes are always fun and engaging. But yeah, that's me, and I I get to do all of this fun stuff and talk about sex all day, every day. That is awesome. Now, I have run into people that say that they can't even believe that sexology is an area of study. They're like, they think it's like fake. Like, no, that's not a thing. No one would do that, and it doesn't exist. Do you run into that? People like think you're like a hack or something, right? They do. And I I have to tell them, legitimately a PhD. <laughs> this is not something I bought off the internet. I mm-hmm. worked my ass off for it. And yeah, no, people, they say that all the time. They're, they look at me funny and they're like, really? And I was like, well, when you have a heart problem, you go to a cardiologist. When you have a sex problem, you go to a sexologist. And every single one of you guys are having sex to some degree. And Every single one of you guys have all experienced some sort of sexual disappointment, dysfunction, whatever we want to call it, and mm-hmm. needed someone to talk to. And so that's where I come in. Right. And I think it's just funny because it's like our our culture just kind of like, that's like hidden. You know, we're fine talking about heart problems. We're fine talking about any other kind of medical problem, but sex. I know. Oh, and heavens forbid. And I know, especially here in the South, because I'm from Texas, it's really big. We don't have sex until you're married. Abstinence is taught. <laughs> so there are only, and I'm going to probably mess this number up, but I think there are only 13 states out of the 50 United States that have to teach accurate sexual education. Oh, Everybody so else can teach what they want to teach. And so in Texas, we teach abstinence in our public school system, meaning mm. don't have sex until you're married. And if you do, you're going to die from all these yummy, nasty, terrible STDs. And you're going to have babies. Sorry. You're going to have babies, uh, you know, the next day if you kiss. It's just the craziest thing. And so where do you get your knowledge from? And you get married and you're supposed to just automatically know how to have sex and what you want and what's pleasurable to you. It's not how it works. It's unrealistic. It is. And I totally get that because I'm in the I'm in the Midwest. So we are very similar to that particular. I'm like jealous of the people on the coast. I'm like, you people are all open. You have different lifestyles. I'm like, I always say, why was I not born in California? Why was I, <laughs> you know, like my mind fits those areas much better than it does the Midwest. And but at the same time, we are those areas need people like maybe you and I, that are like this because of how it is. Absolutely. We have to have somebody that's going to be able to talk about the hard topics and not get embarrassed Mm -hmm. by it or our faces turn red. 
you know, or, you know, want to use the private part words, we call it what it is. And we talk <laughs> mm-hmm. about it because if no one else does, how can we expect our kids and the younger generations to have healthy relationships? This all falls down to we need to cultivate this for healthy relationships for our kids. A hundred percent. Because I know I was shamed as a young person, a young child for touching my privates for pleasure. My mother shamed me. And I don't, yeah, I don't want to perpetuate that. You know, like, happens all the time. And you know, it's crazy for me and my personal trauma. I mean, it was a trauma to me. It was one sentence from her in the way she said it. And then it actually shaped my sexuality, the way I masturbated. Mm -hmm. It really was crazy. It was one sentence from her. One sentence. One sentence. And what I love about that is here in the South, Our religiousness, our religious shame is thick. Mm. It's worse than Catholic guilt, I think. I can't, I can't decide if Catholic guilt or this religious shame from like, you know, whatever we have down here. But we had to go to classes. And if we were caught masturbating, we had to go to classes at the church and talk to our, our mentor about it, why we shouldn't touch ourselves and why it was nasty and what we should do instead. So. Yeah, we got so shamed and called out. You had to go to a special class if you got caught masturbating. See, that's even worse. For me, it was just my mom saying, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, like I didn't have to go any classes. Or Wow, that's that's really extreme. I have not actually heard that before. That's That's insane. Yeah, I didn't start, I guess you can kind of say I didn't start masturbating until I was... 30, my late 30s, because oh, I didn't, wow. it was so bad. I mean, I just didn't. And now, I mean, even now, I don't really care for it because it's, it's not something that I grew up with because I didn't have that, that knowledge or that ability to, I just always had to, you know, just didn't do it. Right. Well, for me, it's really funny. My, my listeners already know all this story because I've told before. It's what turned me into a grinder because I wasn't touching anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I got over that obviously, but you know, that was what I did as a child. And I never really thought about it until, well, probably since I started doing this podcast, talking about sex so much. It didn't occur to me that's why I turned into a grinder until I thought back and reflected upon it. So people need to reflect upon what they've been taught. And we need to, we need to like, I mean, you can't brainwash yourself, but we need to rewire our brains. We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Spring Cleaning Champions, Manscaped. This season, make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets and his drapes with the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Have him clear out that winter bush with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and watch his confidence bloom like the springtime flowers. Embrace the season and have him join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. With our special offer, go to manscaped.com and use code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, for the 20% off and free shipping. Have you ever been doing some oral pleasure and got some hairs in your mouth or your teeth? Well, (laughs) Manscaped can help with that. Try being clean-shaven or spring cleaning. After he uses Manscaped, you can say, "Hmm, let's get some busy with some spring fever in the bedroom. Try out Lawn Mower 5.0 Ultra. It is an amazing trimmer that features two interchangeable heads, one for taking a little off the top and the new foil blade to go smooth. If you want to go smooth for spring cleaning, make sure you try out Manscaped products. Bring on those 
smooth skin, sexy slaps in the bedroom. And how do you do that? Use Manscaped products to shave clean down in your pubic area. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, all caps at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code RUIN at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're a man. (laughs) Spring clean your groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped. Well, that's your erotic template. And we, your erotic template will, now I can't think of the word. I was just about to say, I have extreme ADHD. So it just flew out of my ear. You probably saw it. But um, (laughs) our erotic templates form the very first time we are around or exposed to some sort of sexual activity. And so if, think about some girls who are some vulva owners, I'm just going to call them vulva owners. Vulva Mm -hmm. owners can't get pleasure or they can't reach the orgasm unless they're having their clit stimulated as well as some sort of penetration. But Mm -hmm. that can be traced back to, because remember when you were sitting, like going through your teen years and, you know, with your boyfriend sitting on the couch and he would be playing with you or, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe trying to finger you. And so no one else would know. And, you know, so (laughs) that was when you, when you like templates kind of started taking place because it's, that's something that was done to you. And so you liked that. Also, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, boys who like hair on vulvas, well, that could also be traced mm. back to them seeing their mother naked. If her mother didn't shave, sure. their mm-hmm. they, their erotic template was from their mom's vulva. And it's not because that's being nasty. That's just what they right. saw. Sure, sure. That brings up something I always ask people. It's like, do you think that we are born with these things? Or is it first experiences like you're saying? Is it really what shapes us? In And it feels kind of confining if that's really... I mean, I don't think that's all that would shape us. But that's, that's like pretty hefty, right? Like that's kind of scary. Well, I... I like to think it's 50% nurture and 50% nature. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, we see what we see. We have done to us what we have done to us. We like what we like, but mm-hmm. also we are genetically, genetically engineered to reproduce. So regardless, mm-hmm. pleasure, take pleasure out of that. We are, re, re, we are supposed to reproduce over and over and over and populate the world. And right. so pleasure, I mean, that's just something that's an added bonus. I like to think uh, whoever made us and created us in this big wide (laughs) world said, here you go, here's a gift because you have to have children, woman, here's a clit. So, um, you know, men just orgasm all over the place and we're over here struggling. But I really feel like it's 50 and 50. That's good to know because, you know, and I think to talk to other people who like, say you had a bad experience, they there's a way to like reframe that into a way you can use it positively instead of being trapped by it. But it's hard if it's something that you don't particularly like or want to acknowledge, yet it's your trigger. Well, I mean, what do you do? You're just kind of like victim, like Pavlov's dog. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to share a very open and personal story. And this is all over my podcast. So this is nothing that people, I'm not, I'm not shy about it. But I was molested as a child every day from four to 10 until Mm -hmm. I was removed from the home. And so that was just actually, we're not even going to call it molestation. I was raped. So that Mm -hmm. was my erotic template. That's where I, you know, clicked in for me. So I got to use BDSM to reclaim my sexuality. And Mm -hmm. I created 
like a forced sex scene with a very good partner that was very close. We talked about it for months, probably close to a year about yes. what all had happened, what I needed. I got to take control over it. I got to re uh, reframe my brain and reframe those and repathway my little synapse. They got to refire and I reframed it to a way that it was no longer that trauma, but I owned it. And yeah. so the thing with PTSD is PTSD will always be there, but mm-hmm. once PTSD, or excuse me, once the trauma becomes your story and it just becomes your everyday life and there's no visceral response to it, that's when you start healing from your trauma. You will be triggered. There will be things and you're just like, wow, where did that come from? Out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But it lessens and it completely decreases to the point to where it's manageable and it's not overwhelming in your life. And so those who have had those sexual traumas, if you can talk about it with others and you can reframe your story and use some sort of help with your partner or, you know, BDSM or something to take control over that narrative again, it mm-hmm. really helps. Yeah. And I would imagine you need a massive 100% full trust yeah. for something like that to be a thing because that is really tough. And that actually brings up a question for me. How long has that I've had actually, how long has BDSM been around? Because some people think it's like new, like with the whole, you know, the whole book that came out, the one that's didn't portray it particularly well. I'm not going to like promote it. Everybody knows what it is. How long has it been around? I mean, I know that it's been around for a long time, but some people think it's like new behavior. No, BDSM has been around since the dawn of time. And it started when just tying people up or, you know, became mainstream I would say, I don't know the exact date, but I am going to throw out there about the 60s, mm. late 60s, early 70s, the leather people, the leather heads started coming out and, you know, they were having oh. all of that stuff, but you got the negative impact of it because that was when they were all wearing black and you, everything yeah. was about the power exchange, but the power exchange, they didn't really advertise it as being a positive thing. It was like, oh, you just go out there and you get punished and you get spanked. So people who want that have, they're sick in the head. No. Mm. There was not, okay. so the book you're talking about, the movies you're talking about, we won't <laughs> mention that, but while, while it gives you a completely terrible view of it, just it does. introduction, it mm-hmm. also gives you an introduction. And so yes. that lets people talk about it more frequently. And also if you are interested in it, research it. And hopefully through that research, you're finding some really good sites or some really good knowledge that lets you know that it's not about what was portrayed in that movie or what was portrayed in just the societal views of it. It's about that power exchange. It's about trust. It's about communication. It's about letting go and actually trusting yourself to let someone have that. And the great thing I always say about BDSM is people, they confuse the fact, they think that the dominant or the top is the one that's in control. And that is completely false. The submissive or the bottom is always in control. They may give control for something over, you know, to their, their top or their dom, but they can stop it at any time. They have complete control over what happens to them. And it's been negotiated and it's been talked about. It's probably been, you know, they've done some trial runs to get ready for this, whatever scene that you saw that was carefully crafted. It was not just thrown in there and you just didn't wake up one day and say, okay, well, we're just going to go to a club and do this. So that power exchange and that power dynamic is what's so crucial. And there's so many people that I get to work with, unfortunately. I work with fortunately, but unfortunately they come to me because they've had <laughs> yeah. a bad experience or yes. a bad top slash dom who mm-hmm. was abusing them. And if right. you say no and they keep going, that's sexual abuse. That's abuse. That's where the line is crossed. 
Exactly. Just interviewed a, an erotic author, erotic author, because I write erotica as well. And we were talking about that too, that those of us who really understand the whole dynamic, we write it responsibly. Mm-hmm. That person who wrote that did not know what they were talking about. And it did make a huge splash, which is good because it did open up a lot of people's eyes to different things. But I actually love, I love to create stories, but I love to actually use it also as almost an education piece to teach people that, yes, it is the sub who is in control Mm -hmm. completely, you know? And so I love to create stories that have that. And the other thing I love to do is create in my stories where there's like a lot of attention to the clit because obviously in movies, it's in porn. It's like the penis goes in, oh, she comes, you know, like that's Ah. not realistic. It's ridiculous. You know, like people don't understand how it works. They don't understand what the clit looks like. Yes. She's holding up a clit right now. <laughs> this is an anatomically correct 3D printed clit. It is rainbow because I like to think mine is rainbow because we're, I'm a, she likes everything. <laughs> and I bring this everywhere I go and I show this to everybody that I talk to in every class and they are so amazed by it. They're like, what? Yes. So it's not that little button. And I'm like, oh, baby. But here's the thing. <laughs> the clit there was not even an MRI or any sort of x-ray of the clitoris until 2005. And then in 2010, they made their first model of the clit. So Mm. that just tells you that women's pleasure, that is our pleasure. And women's pleasure has been (laughs) just denied or not denied, but just under-researched and underappreciated for so many years. Oh yeah. It's just disgusting. And you know, I'm, I'm one of those people too, that I didn't know until maybe two or three years ago, well, probably like three or four because I've been doing the podcast for a while. I did not know what a clit looked like either. I did not know it was erectile tissue. I did mm-hmm. not know it looked like that. I didn't know it had arms and lobes and I had absolutely no idea. So there are so many people. Of course, we all know what a penis looks like. That's yep. shown to us in, in sex ed. Here's a penis. And then you go to the female one and it's like, this is what you do when you have your period. This is what you do when you have a baby. There's no mention of pleasure. There's no, I don't even think they said the word clit. Wasn't even. No, 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 no. no. That would have, especially here in Texas, that'd put the teacher in jail. (laughs) It's just ridiculous, isn't it? It is. Oh man, it just bugs me. And I think our society, it just bugs me too, how there's like jokes about you know, young boys masturbating in the shower, but nobody ever talks about it's taboo to talk about the girls mm-hmm. doing that. Like we're in a separate category. We're different, but, but we're not. Because our pleasure is our pleasure doesn't make sense to people. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no reproductive reproductive need or necessity for our pleasure. We can have a baby without an ejaculation, right? The men mm-hmm. have to have a penis owner has to have an ejaculation to have that sperm come out to reach our our eggs and all that, that's going to happen naturally. Hopefully mm-hmm. most vulva owners, it does. Some it doesn't. And that's okay too. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's it happens. We don't have to have pleasure. We just have to lay there and take it. And that's what we're expected to do because our job is to only reproduce, not enjoy it. It's disturbing. It's disgusting. And it's wrong. And the other issue I think is the problem is that the penis is so visible. I mean, yes. it's there, man. It's sticking out, right? You cannot see the clit. It's all not it is, obvious. It's inside out penis. This yes. is an inside penis. Exactly. And so, yeah, people don't understand the G-spot is literally a part of the clit, right? I mean, it's a part of it. It's not a separate space. <laughs> no, it's not. It's right there. It's, it's You are actually, you know, rubbing the G-spot, which is the base, I guess, right above the vegetables, which fill with fluid that helps women squirt or helps vulva. I keep saying, but women and it's a vulva owner. I'm just going to throw that out there because I'm... <laughs> 
I know people can have vulvas and not identify as a woman. So that's just sometimes my Texas limited mindset. Sometimes I just get to talking and it comes out, but I just want to be upfront and honest. I know that it's wrong and I'm working very hard to correct that. It's it's hard to like say it the way that, you know what I mean? And I also think the word vulva is an ugly word. Like why can it be a nicer time? I mean, it's just an ugly word. I'm an, I'm a writer. So I'm like, about the words. I'm like, it's an ugly word. Couldn't we have a better word? <laughs> I know. I know. You can tell a man named it. <laughs> You're vulva. Okay. So I have a question that I've just thought of that I've never had in my life, which is weird. Those like the the, the legs that come down. Yeah. Oh, are any right. of those in the actual lips or are they all internal? They are. They. Oh, you know what I have right here? And I'm going to have this tool. So I have a vulva here. This is a medically anatomically correct vulva. And so we're going to set this bad boy right in there. And I'm setting the rainbow colored clit inside of the vulva. And so Mm -hmm. the legs are actually going to extend. They're going to hide behind our labias. So -hmm. if you run your fingers down the outside of the inner labia, Mm -hmm. that's where the legs are going to be kind of in that area. That's why it feels so good. So you don't always have to, to concentrate on the actual button of the clip. That's what I like to call it. Only because of the color purple, they call it the button. <laughs> the button of the clip, because there's so much other stuff to it that feels amazing. And running it down, you know, around the inside of the labia, around the the lips, I guess is the very best way to say it. You know, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. people know what that means. <laughs> people that know what is, it means. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's very pleasurable as well. So in other words, for people, it's not necessarily more internal. It's actually kind of more on the surface, right? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. under right under the surface, it's not like way deep in our pelvis. It's like it's there. It's right there. And, you know, when the our labia swell, when the vagina swells, mm-hmm. what's, these vestibules are filling with fluid. And that's what's mm-hmm. happening. Your clit is filling with fluid. And so that's making our pleasure. It's making it pleasurable for us. Our bodies naturally create that lubrication because we don't want it to hurt. It, we have to have it to where there's no damage. And so it'll naturally produce that lubrication and that they swell up. And here's my theory. So, you know, the dude, I'm sure you probably know, the surgeon that that does the, the change surgeries, he's the one who found out how many nerve endings recently mm-hmm. he counted in the clit. So there's basically like double in the clit to the penis, right? Mm-hmm. I think it was done because it's more internal and it's harder to see. So whoever created us, I think, did that on purpose because it's embedded in us and we just needed more potential to reach climax. So we were given double because, I mean, like you said earlier, face it, it's easier for a man to come. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just is because it's just out there, you know, like it doesn't. <laughs> and ours is more embedded. It's hanging and it's... around out there, waving exactly. at everybody. So that's my theory, and that's very an obvious observation, but I think it's true. I mean, I agree with it. We our pleasure central, our pleasure pleasure center, there we go, is internal, where theirs is external. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think that's important for people to realize too. So, like, yes, it feels pleasurable to have penetration, right? Because that part is there. Mm-hmm. But if they think about the head, and I think it's different though. I mean, I feel like some men they're different people with penises it feels different on different parts of their penis but for me especially the clit is the strongest part and i feel like a lot of men are the same way or people with penises is the head right mm-hmm. it's more well, let me pull out my other tool here which is a teaching <laughs> penis anatomically correct penis so what you're talking about like where the if you're holding it the penis in its facing or the balls would be facing this way the uh-huh. head of the penis is facing down right 
Mm -hmm. Right there at the very tip where the glands, the head of the penis meets the shaft, that's called the frenulum. And that frenulum is almost like it's the F spot for guys. So it's very erotic. And there's a lot of nerves that come into there. Because Mm -hmm. if you think about it, there's a line that runs all the way down and up the penis, the shaft. That's Mm -hmm. because their vulva, when they were, when they were developing, that's their vulva closing. So female, it would have maintained, it would have stayed open. So while they have that external pleasure on that frenulum and all the way down the shaft of their penis on the inside, uh, we have it the inside as well, but ours is inside of our body. And so the frenulum is a very erogenous spot for a man. And it's, people don't really pay attention to that. They think that they have to, when they're, when they're giving oral pleasure to a man, that they have to, you know, shove it all the way down their face or, you know, the deeper, the better and choke on it. And that's not, Sometimes that's pleasurable, but that's not what, what's really pleasurable. Really pleasuring them is that frenulum and that, sh- that shaft, bottom of the shaft area. That's fascinating. I didn't realize that that line down the penis, which is basically like, I don't know, the underside of the penis, right? Mm-hmm. That that line all the way down to the balls is basically where our opening is for yeah. people who have vaginas. But it goes all the oh. way down their taint, down to the, the perineum area. Yeah. That is crazy. I didn't realize. I knew that they came, that we, you know, we all start out the same and then we differentiate. So it's the same stuff. You know, we're made out of the same stock, whatever you want to say. But I didn't realize that, <laughs> that that was the the line of it. Huh, that's fascinating. And I think, actually, I think that's important for women and people who like to pleasure penises should know. Yeah. And it's not, who would have known? I mean, if you don't go to school for this stuff and study <laughs> this time in and time again, I mean, who would have known that? Oh, exactly. <laughs> Well, and I know that a lot of doctors need a lot of sex education. There's like a lot of lacking or. Well, I'm going to jump in on that one because the gynecologist, I know that the gynecological programs at the colleges, they get four hours, one class of sex education. And it's called human sexuality. It's not even about pleasure. It's not about erectile disappointment. It's not about anything. It's just about what the body is and what it does. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. they don't get these classes at all. So when you go to your doctor or your gynecologist and you're talking to them about, you know, okay, well, I can't, you know, they they understand the function of it. They know that if you can't get wet, obviously you're not lubricating. So let's give you some lube, but they don't understand how it connects to our brain and how it connects to our emotions. And I mean, just how trauma, I know they know how trauma works, but how it affects our our ability to have pleasurable sex. And so I have, I work with a team of gynecologists here in my hometown and they send me their clients. They're like, nope, nope, nope. We're not talking about that. You're going to go right over here and you're going to talk about that. Mm. Because that takes a lot of time and energy and we have to go deep. Sometimes there's trauma that's so far buried in there that they don't even know about. And that's what's hindering their pleasure. So we have to pull Mm -hmm. all that out. We have to process all of that. And then we can start having more fun. Well, think about it. Your gynecologist is just down there to do a job. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. so so when people come to see you, that's kind of a weird question. I don't know why this popped into my head. Will you like be covered by insurance? I am covered by insurance. Yes. That's good. Okay. So, so that, okay. I didn't know if that was a thing because everybody's so taboo anti-sex. I'm like, do they, do, would they cover that? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I see an individual client. So I see them and usually I see them for what's called an adjustment disorder and an adjustment mm-hmm. disorder is something there are sexual codes for uh for sexual disappointment and all of that stuff mm-hmm. but the main thing is i use adjustment disorder because they're having an issue adjusting to something that they're they're feeling or adjusting to something that's happened and so it's a temporary moment that that can be fixed and so i don't mm-hmm. like to 
you know, oh, you're chronically depressed or you have chronic anxiety or general anxiety disorder, any of that, because that sticks to you. And that's a Mm -hmm. label that sticks with you for life. Yeah. Yeah. The adjustment disorder is, yeah, you know what? You can go anywhere and say, yeah, I was having a hard time with some stuff. Everybody has a hard time with some stuff. And so I really like to use that general label. Insurance companies hate it, but I like to use it because (laughs) it's not so stigmatizing. I like that. I like that a lot because it, yeah, illustrates that we're not stuck in a certain label. We're just, we're just going through a phase and we can get out of it. We're not trapped. We're not trapped. And so many people believe because you have, oh my goodness, mental illness that you're just, you're messed up for the rest of your life. And that's not true. It's so manageable. Even Mm -hmm. those who have bipolar type one, or if they have schizophrenia or some sort of like really intense mental illness that can be controlled with medication now. And so they can have Mm -hmm. happy functioning, very productive lives if they stay on their medication. The hard part's getting them to stay on the medication, but that's a whole different story. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, it's not boxing you in. It's not saying you're fucked for life, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, yeah. So talk to me a little bit about how you deal with people who want to do alternative lifestyles. You mentioned that that is an area that you practice in. So what are some of the alternative lifestyles you work with? And how do you deal with people who have fear of those things? Because I think people, a lot of people are afraid of that. Generally, one partner brings it up and, and talks to the other partner about it. And one partner is like, know about this? Am I not enough for you? And there's a lot of the trauma that they have to go through. They have to go through a lot of the uh, rejection that they feel. But mm-hmm. usually, so I have couples that will come to me in one of two, in one of two states, either they're wanting to start opening up their marriage and an open relationship, or excuse me, an alternative relationship can be anything that it's not heterosexual monogamous. So it can be swinging. It can be an open lifestyle. It can be poly. It can be gay. It can be lesbian. It can be polycule of five people. It can Mm -hmm. be anything you want it to be. And Mm so other than heterosexual monogamous. So they come to me and they're like, well, we're thinking about it. We have some questions. And I I actually wrote a book for counselors on how to work with clients who come Mm. to them about alternative lifestyles. And hopefully that will be coming out soon. Waiting for the publisher to get that out. It's going to be a textbook. So they can, they have, it's a textbook. It's got treatment plans, everything. And Mm. so it's a step program. Like, here's what we're going to do first. We're going to, we're going to look at these few things first. And I don't allow the couples, and it's not that I don't allow them to, it's just, it's not in their best interest to run out there and go jump in the bed with somebody Mm, that they don't know and they've not prepared because mentally, emotionally, physically, they're not prepared for that. So I walk them through all the scenarios. The second class of people that I usually work with the second cast of couples and alternative relationships have done just that. They tripped and fell on a dick and now they're mm. coming in like, well, this happened. So yeah, now we're not right. talking and we have to trace it back and we go back to what, okay, let's start from the very beginning again. And, you know, then I do have a few couples that come in and they just need a, t- a tuna. And so mm. the reason why I started specializing in alternative relationships was because the couples that I started seeing were coming in who were in the alternative relationships. I am an alternative relationship. I'm, I identify as a swinger. Mm-hmm. And um, the couples that I was working with, they would say, you know, we've, we've tried to go to counselors, but the counselors won't work with us because they tell us our lifestyle is the issue. And if we mm-hmm. weren't swingers or if we weren't, you know, open, that we wouldn't have these issues. Well, that's <laughs> not true. No. They have, you have these issues because number one, you're probably not talking on the effective level or, you know, it's financial. You're someone spent money. It's just the common everyday couple issue that has not been exacerbated by the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Now, some of them are, I get that, but most of them aren't. 
And so I, when I heard that clients were being turned away, that really sat, it did not sit well with me and it really sat on my heart. And I was like, you know, there's gotta be something. So that's why I started the podcast. That's why I started, you know, I got my doctorate in in clinical sexology and I wrote Mm -hmm. the book because I want other counselors to be comfortable talking about sex. Because that's another thing. Counselors only get one human sexuality class. And unless you pay hundreds of hundreds of dollars to go to these Mm -hmm. extra courses, you're not going to learn about it. Right. And if it's not something that you think you're going to do, it's not required. People just aren't going to do it. Right. It's just, okay. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And that brings up a question too for me. How many people do you think, do you, how many people do you really think live in alternative lifestyles in the United States? Because some people think it's very, very rare. Like it's weird. Like it doesn't happen. Oh, no. Normal, as they say. It is very, very, very normal. So I can tell you that it's so crazy that you said that because more than likely your, uh, your child, if you have children, one of their Mm -hmm. teachers in their, in their educational track has been in an alternative relationship. Probably Mm -hmm. someone you go to church with has been in an alternative style relationship. So it's about one in every 25 couples. One in every 25. That's good to know. Because if you think of a neighborhood or a building, apartment building, you think of one in every 25 couples, you said, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty prevalent, right? Yeah. Yeah. Think about it. I mean, if you're in a group of one, I mean, you're going to the supermarket, you're walking by swingers. You just don't know it. Exactly. What do you, what do you, what do you say to people that like try to fight you on that? Like just say, cause I've met people that like, I've tried to argue with them. And we're like, no, it's actually a thing. And they'll like argue back and think that they're right. Like that this isn't normal. And then I know that's their cultural viewpoint, but I mean, what do you say to someone like that? I mean, do you just like let them go and be in their own little world or you? Yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't fix ignorance. I mean, if you're going to be ignorant, you're going to be ignorant. And unfortunately you can't, you can't help that. If you want to learn and educate yourself and find the research, now there's research out there, empirical, empirical, I can't even say the word, empirical (laughs) evidence Mm -hmm. showing all of this stuff. Now, yes, there are armchair Google searches that, you know, can come up with anything. I get that. But really go to the scholarly resources, go to the, the research studies and ask, research it, find it because it's out there. It's all out there, especially now because we're all trying to research it and be the first to come up with something new, which there's nothing new, but we're trying, right? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So tell me, do you ever find yourself recommending sex toys and which ones do you recommend to clients? Oh, sex toys are like, that's a Tuesday. (laughs) Yes. What what do I recommend? All of them. (laughs) So there are so many great sex toys I have them all in my office. It's kind of embarrassing sometimes because I have to put away <laughs> a basket of, of goodies, I call it, when, when vanilla couples come in or something. Uh-huh. Or kids, I have teenagers. I don't see kids, but I see teenagers. And I'm like, oh, put these all away. and shut right. up. <laughs> Because there's so many good toys. I think the stigma about toys is, oh, well, if I can't pleasure my partner with myself, right. then I'm not doing a, a good enough job. That right. is a lie we have been fed mm-hmm. by... Yes. the world. And come on now, if you feel that way, you need to go ahead and get you like one of those clit suckers, the rope, oh, yeah. whatever, <laughs> yes. and give that a try 100%. With, with your, with the penis and you're mm-hmm. going to just blows your mind. So oh, yeah. I always tell everybody just because it's a toy, it doesn't mean that you're not doing a well enough job. You're not equipped. It means you're enhancing your pleasure. 
toys are there to enhance pleasure. So some toys work better than others. I have some toys and I I get a lot of toys sent to me and Mm -hmm. I love it. So if you ever want to send me a toy, you can send it to my office. (laughs) I will do a product review on it. And some Mm -hmm. of them, and I'm honest, some of them I love and some of them I'm like, eh, that's not for me. But just because it's not for my vulva doesn't mean it's not a good toy. My vulva has its own mind. It has its own pleasurable sensors and pleasurable erogenous zones. And it's going to be different than someone else's to the point where like not everybody's clit is the same. If you could find the clit penis owners or humans, (laughs) um, not everyone is the same. And it may be like, so my clit, if you go, you find the clit and then go like, ouch, a scooch to the left. That's Mm -hmm. my spot. I don't know, but it's not, it's not there, but it's just like "Ah," a little to the left. So if you're just sitting there rubbing my clit raw, it's not going to do anything for me. So, you know, you have to ask. And that's another thing. Ask your partner, communicate. Mm -hmm. Does this feel good? I'm going to get on the soapbox for just a minute. Is that okay? (laughs) Absolutely. Here it comes, people. Soapbox. Do not ask your partner. Did you come? Did you have an orgasm? Right. That is like saying, why are we so focused on the orgasm? Get off the orgasm. Orgasms are amazing. But what about the pleasure leading up to the orgasm? What about all the hard work and all the fun and all the good, interesting, erotic stuff you've been doing before damn orgasm? So we may not have a huge, massive orgasm, but that's okay because we have enjoyed and had so much pleasure up until that point. And if you're just always focused on that orgasm, you are denying yourself so much pleasure. Mm. And so, yes, you know, the orgasms are great. And then <laughs> second so second tier of the soapbox, the pleasure and the, the fun doesn't stop just because a penis ejaculates. Right. A hundred percent that needs to be said. That just because a penis ejaculates doesn't mean it's over. There are things that we can keep going. If your partner still wants more pleasure, give them more pleasure. Pull out those toys. There you go. You know what? If you're tired, pull out a toy and let's start playing with toys. Whatever you need to do, do some sensation play, maybe some little impact play, whatever. Don't stop just because you did. Talk to your yeah. partner, you know, and if they, if they're okay with you stopping and they're like, yeah, no, I'm, I, I've had a great time. I'm good. Whew, I need a break. <laughs> give some water. Give me, you know, something to that effect. That's different. But if you're like hot and heavy and you're right in the middle of something and you ejaculate and then you're like, oh man, whoo, that was great. And your partner's laying there going, really, really, I'm just right. getting into it. But it's yeah. not about the orgasm, so to speak, but they were just getting into it and just becoming pleasurable. And then all of a sudden it just stops. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Male ejaculation is not the end of sex, which, you know, some people think it is. Some people think, OK, now it's over. Now we're done with sex. And that's fucked up. That's just that's just and that's sad because I think a lot of people believe that and live that. They do. But think about, we are told that women are meant to reproduce and reproduce only. How do we reproduce? We reproduce when a penis ejaculates into a vagina cavity, a vaginal canal. So if that's not happening, well, then we are not reproducing. And heavens forbid a woman enjoy herself because then she's a slut. She's a whore. She's all of these things. And thank you. I mean, I am a whore. I am a slut. What do you want to call me? Sex. 100%. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. And you can call me whatever because I'm going to enjoy myself. And that's okay. That's okay. And we are so brainwashed into believing that a woman is not allowed to have pleasure. And I'm here to tell you, Dr. Stephanie said, (laughs) absolutely, absolutely. A hundred percent. And that should be the focus. I don't care if, yeah, like you said, I don't care if you don't climax, just some sort of pleasure in that and pleasure to the point where you're, okay, I'm good. If you're not good, 
then it shouldn't be done, right? Mm -hmm. Not at all. I want to talk about something that I talked about with somebody who also is a physician. And we talked about it. I only found out about this because like you talked, you referenced it a little bit when you said, you know, go a little bit to the left or whatever you said. You say left or right. I can't remember. Left. Left. (laughs) I have this toy called the Zumio, which just blows my mind. I don't know if you've tried it, but it's very, it's like a pen and it's very pinpointed, intense. Yes. It's not the name of it, but I have one. Okay. And so that really taught me that there are different parts of my clit that have different sensations. And I love the rose, like you said, the rose clit sucker, but you put it on there. It like, you know, it's like putting a mushroom cap on. So you're going to hit, you're going to hit the spots, right? But if you do something with like the little pinpointed one, you can actually map your clit and Mm -hmm. see which parts are like going to blow your fucking mind. And I did that. And I just think it's amazing that this is, this, that's an amazing thing. Think how small and intricate that is, but that there are different levels. Like I think she was talking about, someone talked about like the face of a clock. You can think uh-huh. of it that way and which parts are like really intense, which parts feel better, which parts are your triggers. They all feel good in some level, but there are parts that are way more intense and women need to explore this. Yes. And what I, love, what I love about that thing, that little, that little pinpoint toy is mm-hmm. maybe you can be riding on somebody on top, yes. riding as hard as you want to. And then that little thing just, <laughs> it just slips so easily down right in front of the, well, I don't know, the pelvic area for the man and your clit area. And oh my gosh, it's amazing. If you haven't tried that, I, that's, I'm, I'm giving you a prescription to try that. Because <laughs> yeah, it's so slender. You can fit it down there. Like I love the clit suckers, the roses, but they're chunky, you know, yeah. they're like chunky and big, but those little pen things are like ideal. Yeah. <laughs> also, I don't know if yours does, but mine fits on my finger. Mine's like a, like a oh, ring. No, so mine doesn't. Just, okay. And that way, and it's kind of where I'm not going to lose it. Cause if you have any lube or, you know, sometimes it gets, yes. you're, it gets a little messy down there or some other stuff, but mine has a little finger holder so I can get it where I want it and not have to worry about dropping it. Absolutely. I love that. I love the whole clit mapping idea. I think that's just fascinating. That is, that is a great idea. Map out your clit. What feels good to you? Right. And also, don't you think you could you could map out your internal vagina, like your G-spot and all of that? You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Some of them, unless the pinpointing tool, pinpointing tool is long enough, you're, you can only hit your G-spot. Yeah. And there's there's mm-hmm. so many more spots in there. There's the A-spot and the O-spot. And mm-hmm. unless you have something long and cylinder to get to those, you may not be able to reach them. That's where the fingers come into play. And that's where the good hand jobs come into play. So definitely think about that. But yeah, mapping the inside. One of the things that we do in the class called Pleasuring the Pearl is we do map the vagina and we map the outside, nice. we map the inside, and we find those spots. And so you will come to my class and it's, it is a hands-on class, not my hands, uh-huh. your hands on your partner. <laughs> uh, but unless, you know, there are times where I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's position your body this way and see if we can get, reach that spot. Because, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. every, while we all have the same parts, they mm-hmm. don't always line up to where they're anatomically supposed to line up by the text, right? We're all right, different. Right. And so if you're with one partner and you can find a G spot very easily, but the next partner you can't, then maybe a little higher, maybe a little lower, maybe a little mm. to the left. So you have to know the anatomical we're looking for, those little ridges, go to the end of those little ridges and right there, bump. And so the ridges may be to one side or the other or farther back, but that's what we do in the class is we sit there and we map out what mm. feels good. And and the vulva owners just lay there and get to enjoy themselves, but they have to talk. <laughs> 
And they have to say, yes, that feels good. No, that doesn't feel good. Or a little to the left, a little to the right. And they map mm-hmm. it out. So is this an, is this obviously an in-person class, right? So it's not it something is. you can do online. It's in person. Okay. Yeah. That is awesome though that you do that. I think that's just fascinating. So like, are people just like laying there naked and they're just fine with it? I mean, it would have, it would have to be right because they're naked. Oh. <laughs> that's awesome. 100%, 100%. So if you come to, those are called play shops. Those mm. are not, those aren't, well, they are educational, but those are play shops. And those are held when I go to events like the Bliss Cruise or when I go to. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's where I have a dedicated space, a room that is private. That's also, you know, confidential. People may see you going in there, but they don't know what class is going on in there or they don't know what you're doing in there. Mm. Or if you want to do it out in the open, hell, we'll do it out in the open. But, you know, it's, <laughs> If you want that privacy, I have some couples who, because the room is so big on the Bliss Cruise, they they want me to come and so I'll come to their room and we'll have that class privately mm. for them and their partner or maybe their partner and a, another couple will come in and we'll have that class privately so that it's not out there in front of everybody because, you know, there are some people who have body image issues, but yeah. I will tell you, everybody who has come to those classes, every, when we do pleasure in the penis, when we do pleasure in the pearl and mm. everybody is naked. And everybody, and I call it naked. Yes, I'm from Texas. And everybody <laughs> is different. There's people will come up to me afterwards and, and they'll tell me, I have never, ever done anything like that in front of anybody. I Amazing. have not even done. I can't imagine. I can't believe I did this in front of somebody or, awesome. you know, I have never orgasmed them in front of other people. And just to hear them say that and to know that they were able to do that because of the things I taught them and give them just a little bit of extra pleasure in their toolbox. I love mm-hmm. that. That's my jam. That is amazing. And I saw that when I was researching you about the the Bliss Cruise. I am curious. What is this? And tell me more. (laughs) The Bliss Cruise is a lifestyle cruise. Anybody and everybody goes on this cruise. So you can be heterosexual monogamous and you just Mm -hmm. want to be around fun people. Let's go. You can be a swinger. You can be polycule. You could be a five person or a five, five person polypod, whatever you want to be. And you're fully accepted on that cruise. So you will see some nights, you'll see people being walked around by on a leash by like have puppy play. So there'll be a puppy one night. Mm-hmm. We'll have some people who will, one of my favorites is they'll walk in and you'll see a man dressed as a woman one mm-hmm. night. And next night you see him dressed as a big hairy, what is it, bear <laughs> dom with hairy chest all out. And, just, and everybody, everybody's like, wow. yes, applauding them and there's no shame. There's no, I, I have not, I'm sitting here thinking ever been anybody on that cruise that's ever said anything negative to anybody. Everybody is just like, you get it. And there's, you'll go on the the pool deck and everybody's up there and they're either topless or they're naked. And, you know, people are just accepting. They have scars, they have bruises, they have bigger boobies, smaller boobies, bigger butts, little butts, big dicks, little dicks. (laughs) You know, and everybody is just having the best time because nobody cares. I love that. It's like a, it's like a ultimate no judgment zone. Absolutely. No shame, no judgment. On there, and there's lots of educational opportunities. So if you are a monogamous couple and you just want to enhance your relationship, you can go on that cruise and take, you know, all those classes. If you're just a nudist and you just like being nude, there you go. There's something for everyone on that cruise. It is they do a fantastic job with making sure that it's so inclusive. What I think is great, you just said, is that there's also no judgment, obviously, for people who come there and want to be monogamous. I mean, that is just to to be in a no judgment zone. They're not even judging people who aren't doing what they're doing. I mean, that's that's fantastic. 
people mm-hmm. to be around those kind of people is just, it's got to be mind blowing and just amazing. I will never, ever go on a vanilla cruise again <laughs> after going on these cruises because I can't imagine being around stuffy people that just yeah. after you experience that inclusivity and that openness mm, right. and that true, genuine, unconditional acceptance, you never want to yeah. go back. Oh, absolutely not. I can totally imagine that. Let's talk for a minute about taboo fantasies. We touched on this a little bit as we talked and when you shared your story, which which is great that you share that. I'm really sorry you went through that, but I just think it's great that you share it. What should people feel bad? Like say they have this like really super dark taboo fantasy and they're like just tormented about it. What do they do? Don't feel bad about it. Yeah. Might need to seek a therapist. That's one of the things that I work with clients on is accepting their fetish, their kink, whatever it is. Now, as long as it's consensual and it's safe, yeah, yeah. There are some kinks that are not safe unless they're practiced correctly, like fire play or a pinning or something, you know, the needlework. Unless yeah. you are with an expert who knows what they're doing, that is not safe. Don't just go and jump into that. Right. But one of the things that I do is I work with clients. And the very first thing I ask is, you know, is this you consent to it all? And are you doing it in a safe manner? And if you're not, let's find the resources to help you find that safe person or that safe group that you can practice this kink or fetish with and not have to worry about what if I hurt myself or somebody else. There's 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 a kink for everybody. Yeah. And it is truly sensational what all people come up with. And that's okay. <laughs> Don't be ashamed of it. And if you are ashamed of it, talk to somebody and let's process through that because there shouldn't be any shame as long as it's consensual, legal. I should throw legal in there, legal and yep, safe. Yep. And like having sex with animals, animals cannot consent. No, they can't consent. Exactly. That's the difference. There's no consent. Children and animals, they cannot consent because they, they don't even understand. They can't even fathom. They can't even like discuss it. Exactly. So yeah. that's the thing that Anybody under the age of 18 cannot consent and anybody or any animal, excuse me, any animal cannot consent. And so, you know, the bestiality play, that's, that's touching it. You know, we have to, we have to find an alternative and there are alternatives for that. So if you're into bestiality, we're going to find furries for you. Let me introduce you to the furry community. And there's there's alternatives that can satisfy that need if you have that need. You could, yeah, you totally just do role play. I mean, exactly. A hundred percent just do role play. And I think that's just a lot of shame that people feel and also judgment, like that turns you on, like, you know, people just shame each other left and right for for taboo fantasies. But t- taboo things are like the top fantasies, especially, yeah. I know, like reading a book, oh, what's his name? Justin. Justin Miller. tell me what you want. Yes. And like the top fantasies are things that some people think are taboo. And it's like, but they're so common, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they very much are. It is. He did that whole research study just to normalize it and to help people see Mm -hmm. that they're normal. That's the number Mm -hmm. one question I get when I talk about BDSM or kink and fantasy fetish. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, am I normal? Well, probably not. But what the hell's normal? Let's talk about it. I mean, I'm not normal. I don't, if you're normal, I don't know, but I don't care. I want to make sure that you're, you know, sane, consenting, healthy, safe, all of that fun stuff. I don't think there is anything such as a normal. Because how could you even classify that? I mean, uh, you know, and and you might think someone is normal like you, but if you don't talk about their sex life with them, you don't know what they're doing. You can't assume. (laughs) And everybody assumes that they know. Mm -hmm. It gets so 
I get so frustrated by that because people just assume without asking questions. And if you don't want to talk about it, you don't have to talk about it. That's the beautiful thing. Right. But, you know, this on the flip side of that, you can talk about it and still be accepted. And there probably is not a kink or fetish that exists out there that no one else has. Someone else is going to have it. That is true. And I've heard some doozies. But, and it's interesting because of some of the things that I'm told, you know, I don't, I'm so desensitized to it. I don't react to it, Mm -hmm. but there are some of them. I'll be like, oh, okay. That is very interesting. Can you tell Mm -hmm. me more? That's, that's my go-to when I'm very surprised and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you're going to have to tell me more about that. That's the first time I've heard about this, but I'm very honest with my clients. I'm very real Mm -hmm. with them. I, I don't know everything. I don't know there's a new word for everything that comes up every single day. And so you could tell me like your word for a vulva. Okay. So what does a vulva mean to you? Because I know what a vulva means to me, but what does it mean to you? And so those taboo fantasies, they can say anything. And then I'm going to ask them, right. My follow-up question was, can you tell me what that means to you? Because to you and to my textbook, or to the last client who had this are all different. Right. And I feel like people need to realize that sometimes Fantasy is something they just want to have with themselves. Oh, absolutely. That They can have a fantasy with themselves. That is probably better than having it with somebody because you <laughs> take every aspect of it. You can stop on a pinpoint. You can stop on a microsecond. I don't like this. I'm going to redo. Yep. And if it doesn't work for you, well, just change whatever you need to change. You don't have to tell anybody. You don't have to say, okay, you're not doing it right. Let me move your finger. You know, it's just all right there. What about the differences in libido? Like, how do you tell people to deal with that? Is it okay? You tell people it's okay. No, so-and-so masturbates and I don't. Mismatched libidos. Mismatched Mm -hmm. libidos are a very common thing that people come into sex therapy for. And there are always ways around it. So maybe when I, here's, I'm going to say, here's another soapbox. Here we go. (laughs) When we have mismatched libidos or, you know, maybe the, the female vulva owner is going through the change of life or there's some hormonal things going through. We have ways of checking that. So first off, I always send clients to, you know, let's go get your hormones checked. Let's see all of a sudden just you love sex before and you hate it now. Let's get that checked. If your hormones come back normal or even a little wonky, we're going to adjust some, some supplements. We're going to get you where you need to be. I don't prescribe that your general practitioner does, or maybe a hormone specialist. And then we come back and we're going to see, has that, has your libido increased? Has it decreased? Where is it at now? The number one reason that I have found that women's libido decreases is because mm-hmm. they're not having the sex they want, they really want to have. They're having the right. sex they have to have, and they don't yeah. have a voice in their sex life. Mm-hmm. Now that's not true for everybody. And that's not true for every situation. Sometimes the hormones get out of whack, but generally speaking, I find that women are not having the sex that they want to have. Therefore, why would they have to have it at all? Right. Exactly. If you're not enjoying it, why why do it? It's not essential to life. It's fun, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, you don't have to do it. So, yeah, I can see that that, that would be a thing. Or you like, have to okay, do it with somebody. You can do it with yourself. Right. You know, and I hear oh, that a lot. Well, they masturbate, but they won't have sex with me. Well, of course they're masturbating because they know what they like and you're not listening. You're, exactly. you, you're just doing the same motions over and over and over. There's no novelty. There's no any, there's no newness. There's no fun left in it. You just, okay, let me smack you on the ass. All right. Let me kiss your neck. Okay, great. Check one, <laughs> check two. And three pumps later, we're gone. I don't want to do that. 
<laughs> that means I have to I have to get dirty for that. Like, I mean, I have to take right. baths afterwards. Like, there's some there's stuff that happens. I don't have time for that sometimes. I want right. if it's going to be good. If I'm going to mess up myself and make it where I have to take another shower, then mm-hmm. it better be damn good, right? right. Right. Yes. I think that's so true. Like I interviewed someone, a sex coach once, and she said, I don't believe in people who no longer want to have sex. I believe that they're bored. Uh I had a client today. We were talking about that. And this client asked me or or stated, they were like, that is such an obvious answer. Why didn't I think of that? And I was like, well, because you're conditioned to Uh think one thing and you're not conditioned to look outside of the box, outside of the bedroom take it outside of the bedroom, mix it up a little. If it's, if you're bored, maybe we have sex in different areas of the house. If you're an empty nester or there's no one else there, maybe you go in a car ride and you have sex outside somewhere or, you know, in the car, mix it up. It doesn't always have to be in the bed right before we fall asleep, you know, right. Just the same old, same old, just get it done. No, you can make it any way you want it. That's another thing. Society tells you it has to be one way and your relationship has to look one way. That's lies. Your relationship can look any way you want it to look as long as it works for you and your partner or partners, period. It, absolutely. I think the challenge comes when one partner doesn't want to do that or isn't willing to do those things. Exactly. And if they're not, and there's there could be some trauma, there could mm-hmm. be um, all kinds of things. So you have to really negotiate that and talk about it. That's where the talking comes in. We talk about all kinds of stuff, but we very rarely will some people, will couples sit down and talk about sex. Right. Which is crazy. Like people are having sex all the time and they, so many people are so uncomfortable talking about, they can't even like bring it up. So I will put your body part in my mouth, but I will talk about it. Exactly. Does that make any sense? No, it really doesn't. Our art culture has really fucked us all up. I mean, that's all I got to say. It really has. So, I mean, if you're, if you're willing to put someone else's body part in your mouth, you Mm. can talk about sex. Exactly. You just need to get over it and just realize it's not that big a deal. I think that's the thing. We're just scared and we think it's, I don't know, so many people think it's such a big deal. It's taboo. And then, like you said, religion is a problem that pushes us into that as well. You know, that's a, that's a pretty hefty piece for people to work through if they think, you know, their sexuality is is what religion tells them it should be. So there's a book that I read that really changed my entire perspective. And I read it about seven years ago and it's by Nadia Weber Boltz and it's called Shameless. And Nadia Weber Boltz is a, is a pastor. She's a lesbian pastor. She has a church of misfits is what she calls them. And she is amazing. And that book, I, even though there is a religious element to it, I have all of my my clients, I've had all of my friends read it, even the ones who aren't religious. And I've told them, okay, if you can just get past that first chapter, it'll all come <laughs> together. The first chapter, she's really laying it down and there's a lot of religious religiosity in it. But mm-hmm. her message is so empowering because it's why, why, why do we have to have the shame? Let's, let's get over the shame. Me, let me show you how you get over the shame. And it was, it was empowering for me. Oh, I need to get that book for sure. Mm-hmm. What say it again one more time? Shameless from Nadia Weber Boltz. Awesome. B O Z T. I feel like B-O-T-T. I feel like I may have heard somebody talk about it before because it sounds a tiny bit familiar. So obviously it was an epic book. So it doesn't make it doesn't surprise me that other people have talked about it. Yeah, it's really good. It's really really powerful to think about and to to process through some of your own personal shame that comes around with any sort of religious stigma. So tell me about your book. You said you 
Tell me more about that. Okay. Well, I have, I have a few out. One of them is the, the one, the textbook that is teaching counselors how to work with people in alternative relationships. And so it comes with treatment plans. It comes with handouts. It comes with worksheets, you name it. It's all been created. It's just almost like a plug and play. Let's go. You can jump right in after you read it. And then the next one got several in, in process, but the one that's on out right now is called the anti-fight journal. And the anti-fight journal teaches people how to fight fair in relationships, but it's, We talk about how to do it in the first part of the book. And then the second book, it gives you 30 opportunities to do it with your partner and to do it well. And the hope is that after you've completed those 30 times that we won't need the book anymore. We're going to, it's going to be so natural to us. It's just going to come easy and we're going to have those tough, really tough conversations. And so this allows you to talk about things that sit and ruminate in your head and grow and grow and get out of control. Yeah. and so like when your partner puts a fork in the sink and after you've done the dishes and you explode, well, it's not about the fork. It's about everything else that's happened, but you haven't been able to talk right. about it. So the fork was the explosion. Right. And this just provides an avenue for you to talk about things in a healthy way. Very good. That sounds perfect. Yeah. Cause that's like, that's like the trigger or like the, what do they say? The straw that broke the camel's back. Isn't that the saying? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Because and it's people, a minor thing. It is. But it's not about that thing. It's about mm. everything else that's been building that you will not talk about because either you don't have the opportunity or you don't know how. And this right. provides designated times and opportunities to talk about those really tough subjects in a healthy way. And now probably that kind of a book will not help in an abusive relationship. Absolutely not. If you are being abused, right. if you have any sort of intimate partner violence or sexual coercion going on, that is that is not that's not healthy. It's not. There's no book in the world that can save you from that. You have to stand up for yourself and realize what is what is right and what is wrong. So let me rephrase that. If you read it and you realize that this is how you should be talking to and how people should be speaking to you and that's not what you're getting, it may help you realize that you can set your standards and your boundaries. And if that's not what you're getting, you need to leave. And right. if it's, you know, leave in a way that's safe for you to leave. But you know, I always think that reading reading books is so powerful because it gives us the retrospective look of oh, that's how I should be treated. Why am I being treated like this? Right. You know, why do I think like this when I could be this? And so mm. it's a very powerful exercise, but yeah, if it's intimate partner violence or any sort of abuse, you mm. can see how you're supposed to be treated. And if you're not treated that way, then it's time for you to leave somehow, some way. Right. Like if you read that book and you can't like learn from it together or progress, it may be a sign that's you yeah. maybe are being abused, right? Yes. Yeah. And here goes my idiot dogs. They're going to bark now. <laughs> That's all right. I love dogs. So tell me about your podcast. We haven't even mentioned the name of your podcast. What's the oh. name of your podcast? <laughs> it's Evolve Your Intimacy. My podcast is Evolve Your Intimacy with Dr. Stephanie. And I started the podcast because I wanted to give, I started it back in, wow, right before the pandemic, because mm-hmm. I wanted to start giving some accurate sexual education. There was a lot of people that were talking about things from their perspective and they were talking about events and they were talking about their sexual experiences from their perspective. And I mm-hmm. wanted to really give some foundational knowledge. And mm-hmm. so I bring on sort all sorts of experts. I talk to people, I bring on, oh man, so many different things. And we, we talk about all the subjects that no one really wants to talk about mm-hmm. and Perfect. the hard topics because mm-hmm. Everybody needs to know, but no one really wants to talk about it. And because I have this PhD behind my name, it gives me a little bit more, like, yeah, a little bit more the ability 
to talk about things that most people won't talk about. And so I will use that PhD for that every day of the week because I want to have those conversations and be able to get away with it. And when I say that most people won't talk about it or can't, they get censored or, you know, they get right, right. Because mine is, and I have fought so hard for my platform to be an educational platform and it's, Mm -hmm. it's titled as educational and I keep it to where it is educational, Mm -hmm. you know, removing some of the things I don't get as censored because I can Mm -hmm. talk about it in a clinical way. Oh, hundred percent. I totally know what you're saying. And that makes sense. And that is super important because I feel like podcasts are a place that people around the world could access. I mean, there are some countries that would probably, you know, still, you know, chop that out, but it's the ability to reach all these people that absolutely have no way, no other way at all, even worse than in America, to get this information. Yeah. I do a free one-hour sex therapy telecast, I guess you could say a live question and answer on one of the dating platforms that is part of the lifestyle. Mm. It's amazing that I get on there and my room fills up and it's just, they get to ask me anything they want to ask me. But Mm. I have people, my my favorite couple, they come to us from Afghanistan and mm. we all know that they are sexually shut down and oh yeah, they, you know, have a lot of questions. So could you imagine being a swinger in Afghanistan? It's probably oh. close to impossible, but yeah. uh, they come on and, you know, we get to talk and they get to ask their questions and anybody all over the world. I have people from all over the world who tune in awesome. and just get to ask simple questions that they wouldn't even be able to ask. Number one, because sex therapy can be expensive because we go through all this extra training and we have to, I'm still paying for mine. I'll be paying right. for it the day I die, right? For but, sure. you know, we have to pay for it extra outside of that. So it is expensive, but and sometimes it's not accessible. You know, there's not a whole lot of sex therapists out there. So right. being able to find one that you connect with that has the knowledge is is very powerful. So I want to make sure that everybody has access to that. Oh, absolutely. And how, where is that again? Where do you do that through? Uh, SDC.com. SDC. Okay. They can get a promo code on my website if you want to check it out. Awesome. That's fantastic. What a great great offering for people. That's amazing. This has been like the most amazing conversation. I think I could talk to you for like 10 hours and like think it was like five minutes. Like, <laughs> I know, right? I know. It's been fun. It's and you really were concerned fun. that we wouldn't have anything to talk about. <laughs> There's so much to talk about with sex, right? So was there anything that we haven't talked about or mentioned that you would like to say or point out and also tell people where they can find you in your website? Sure. You can find me at evolveyourintimacy.com. I am on all the social media platforms, but it's all linked to my website. I have some really fun uh, tools on there. People call them toys. I call them tools <laughs> I have, uh, that you can shop and purchase. I have the books on there. I have all of my articles, all of the website, or excuse me, all of the podcasts, all kinds of fun stuff is all linked to that. And I am getting my own TV show, which will be coming Ooh, out pretty how soon. Exciting. And that's going to be called Let's Have the Talk with Dr. Stephanie. And so that should be coming out really soon. We're filming the pilot, I mean, not the pilot, the trailer for it. And we already have the sizzle reels and all of that. So we can start shopping it to networks. And oh, uh, that's it's awesome. going to be so much fun. Yeah. Congratulations. So yeah. Thank you. And also, I wanted to mention that you are the winner from the... the yes. Uh, how, congratulations. How fun is that? Tell us that about that. So much fun. So ASN, I write monthly articles for ASN Lifestyle Magazine. And it's mm-hmm. a digital magazine. And so you can get on there anywhere. Just Google ASN Lifestyle Magazine. It's free. And I write articles for them, just sex education articles. But I, 
I ended up winning this this past year, just well, just a couple of weeks ago. Actually, I can't. Yeah, remember. right. Feels like years ago, but just this past. <laughs> week, I won. I don't like to say I won. I earned because I worked really yeah. hard. Oh, 100. Totally. For sure. So I got um, social media influencer of the year, which that shocked me because I'm not really yeah. big on social media because I'm, I see clients face to face, but then I also best educator and then best educator website. So awesome. I was pretty excited about those. That is so exciting. And as you know, it's, it's fun to win something like that. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, that's just awesome. It was there was a lot of people there and they were podcasting and we were doing live podcasts. Like after you would get off the stage, you'd have to walk around and do the podcast circuit and then come back. <laughs> oh, cool. And while I won the first one and then I'm doing the podcast circuit. And then while I'm at a podcast talking with them, I hear them scream and they're like, Stephanie, you want another one? Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then I was doing that circuit and then I was finishing and they're like, you want a third one? And I was oh like, oh my gosh, gosh what's happening? <laughs> What a so, wonderful like dream come true. That is amazing. That was my Grammy moment. I don't oh, need yeah. anything else. I was that was just my moment and I loved every second of it. Not that you need validation, but how awesome is that? You know what I, I mean? <laughs> yes, because I I put this stuff out in the universe, right? Talk to my see my clients, the 40 clients a week that I see. But then I do the free stuff and I put the free articles out and I put all of this stuff in the universe that I really don't get paid for because right. I want to give it out for free. And so yep. to be rewarded for that and to be noticed for that, I, that, that just makes my heart happy. It does. And I think it also brings attention to like people are like, you know, oh, what's this? Maybe this might help me. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it like just highlights it to the world. Be like, Hey, you know, check this out. This might help you. Yeah. There's so many great free resources on my website too. And if there's something that you're interested in and it's not on there and you want to know more about it, you can send me an email at stephanie at evolveyourintimacy.com. That comes directly to me. I answer all the emails. It's We are HIPAA compliant, even though we you know don't have to be on that side, but we are <laughs> HIPAA compliant. We are very confidential. Your privacy is very important to me. So don't worry about that. Oh, that's so awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been the best conversation. I had a total blast with you. We went into like really fun, sexy stuff. We went into emotions and relationships. It was fantastic. Thank you. I know. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. You have an amazing night. You too. Good night. Good night. Okay. Thank you for listening to that. And don't forget to check down on the podcast show notes for links to where you can find out more about Dr. Stephanie. What an amazing guest she was. I had so much fun talking to her. It was just amazing. She's an amazing person. Check her out. Check her out, baby. Go check her out. <laughs> and also my links will be down in the podcast show notes too. If you'd like to support me and buy my books, my erotic audiobooks, all of that stuff is down there too. So hey, if you want to get a sexy book to read or listen to, I've got some. Check me out. Thank you so much for listening to this. And don't forget to enjoy your bodies. Don't forget to come today. My catchphrase, we were given these organs for a reason to enjoy, to get healing and stress relief and to enjoy ourselves, have pleasure. So don't forget to come today and enjoy your body. All right. You have an amazing fucking day. Oh, fuck yeah. Love you. Bye-bye now.
ready for some spring cleaning of your beard and groin hairs? Try out Manscaped products where you can get 20% off with my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to get 20% off and free shipping. In order to get the discount, use the promo code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to do that spring cleaning to get yourself ready for sexy times. Heat up your spring with a new shave, a new trim. Perhaps try going there. Get more skin smacks in the bedroom, if you know what I mean.